I love following kids. It's always fun, right? They always have a lot of fun, bring, bring joy to our lives, and so that's great. Thanks, Mike, on that. Well, how many of you are all ready for Christmas? I mean all ready for Christmas. Raise your hand if you are all ready for Christmas, four of you. Praise God for that. I'll keep praying for you. How many of you would say you're finished shopping? All your shopping is completely done. Nine of you. Great. That's good. How many of you have all the gifts wrapped? We, we, a lot of you have a lot of work to do, I can tell. Um, how many of you have your Christmas parties and uh, other Christmas Eve and all that all figured out, all ready to go? How many of you are all ready to go? There you go. This is kind of way we are. We, we plan for the last minute, get it all together. Um, how many of you waited in a long line while shopping? In other words, the checkout line seemed like it took forever. Anybody experience that? Oh, two of you, because we're still in the old school way of going out shopping, as opposed to doing online. How many of you shopped online? Okay, a few more hands raised. Anybody expedite shipping because you couldn't stand to wait for it to get there? Anybody Anybody do that? Okay, we're all on Amazon Prime. I get it. Two days, it'll be there. It's, it works for there. Um, I know the kids just left, but maybe there's a few teenagers in here. How many of you feel, if you're a teenager, and you can answer if you're an adult feeling like a teenager, that it's wait, taken too long for us to get to Christmas again. Anybody in that? Thank you. You and me. We're, we're, we're right there. Way too long. You know, it's interesting. When I ask that question and few of you raised your hands, if you really stop and think about it, shouldn't we all be ready for Christmas? We know exactly what day it's coming, and it's been that way for a long time. We have 364 days to get ready, and yet, Somehow, for many of us, we're not quite ready. Perhaps we feel Christmas came way too soon this year. Anybody feeling that way? Even though the calendar's not changed, the hours remain the same. Perhaps you wish you had more time. Well, let me tell you this. Once upon a time, those stories come into us at Christmas sometimes, right? A group of people waited 400 years for Christmas. 400 years for Christmas. And you're thinking, what Christmas was this? I mean, can you imagine having to wait 400 years? Now, some of you who are not ready for Christmas, that might be a good thing for you because you're like, well, I've got 400 years. I'll sleep for the next 100 and wake up and maybe I'll, I'll get after it. What's interesting is about these group of people is they didn't know they were going to be waiting 400 years for Christmas. But as history tells us, that's what they did. They waited 400 years for Christmas to arrive. And I thought about that and I thought, well, for those of you who used to go out shopping in stores, imagine or thinking back from the years past of waiting in line for 400 years or a line that seemed like it took 400 years. Have you been there for that? I've been to a few places on the Black Friday sale and you're like, man, that's the line? We're going to go all the way around the store and get, get there. Seems like it would take forever to do that, right? Or imagine waiting 400 years for that box to arrive on your doorstep, that doorbell. My wife asked me a couple times this week, did anything come today? I'm like, I'm sorry, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer uh, for that. And if you're a kid, I can't imagine thinking and being told as a child, saying, hey, you're going to have to wait a little longer for Christmas. 400 years, that's all. That's all you're going to have to wait. Can you imagine being told that? Well, that's what happened to this group of people. They waited 400 years for Christmas. And you might be sitting there in your chair today thinking, wait, what? Is this really true? Is this, did this really happen or am I just making this up? 
Well, it could be both, but I hopefully it's true. And here's how I want you to find out that it's true. Here's what I want you to do right now. Everybody doing this. Uh, I want you to look at the chair in front of you, and I want you to grab the black Bible that's on it. Now, there might be a hymnal um, in front of you that's, that's more of the red or burgundy color, but there should be a black Bible. So if you're sitting on the front row, you can look underneath, but even if you have your own Bible and you brought it, good job, pr proud of you for doing that. Set that aside for a moment, because otherwise it won't work as well. So what I want you to do with that black Bible, everyone's got that, right? You're not just sitting here listening to me thinking that you don't have to actually do this. This is serious. You need to pull that out. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to open it to page 1,107. Page 1,107. I even put a slide up there for you so you would know exactly what you were looking for, okay? Just to be of assistance to you. Page 1,107. All right? You're thinking, don't you normally give out the, the book and the chapter and the reference? Well, we'll, we'll get there. All right, page 1,107. What is on page 1,107? Oh, somebody got it right. Thanks for being in my class today. The last chapter of the Old Testament, the last book of the Old Testament, which is what? And if you're from, a, from Italy, it's Malachi. Okay, you got it. Malachi 4.6, the last verse of the Old Testament. All right, now you're there. Still hold it there. Now I want you to turn to the next page. What's on that page? Nothing. It's blank. The next page? The New Testament. It's a title page, but otherwise it's blank, right? Okay, go to the next page. What's on that page? Nothing. All right. Now we're going somewhere, right? Now I want you to go to page 1111. 1111. What do you have on that page? Matthew. So you have Matthew 1, 1, right? Starting there. So here's what I'd like to do with you this morning. I'd like to tell you what happened between Malachi 4.6 and Matthew 1.1. 1, because 1. it's blank. So it should mean that my message should be very short, right? <laughs> or I have absolutely nothing else to say. I'm not quite sure what it is. But here's what I'd like to do for a few moments this morning. I'd like to fill in the blank pages for you. And then I want to offer you some sort of picture of where God was going with this and why these pages are blank and have some meaning for us this morning. <clears throat> so these pages between Mal Malachi 4.6 and Matthew 1.1, 1, 1, Bible scholars refer to this, and you can put that black Bible back underneath there if you want to, or you can hold on to it. But Bible scholars refer to this time between the Old Testament and the New Testament as the 400 years of silence. The 400 years of silence. Now, you might be wondering, why is this referred to as the 400 years of silence? Why is it that? Why is it called that? Well, the answer is simply this. During these four centuries, during these 400 years, no prophet of God spoke. So if you think about it, you have all those pages on the Old Testament and God speaking through prophets over and over and over and over again. Then you come to those middle pages, the blank pages, and God's not speaking. God is silent. You're wondering, is God still around? Is God here? 
Does God hear anything? Is God engaged at all? Maybe that kind of describes your life right now, going, God, I don't hear anything from you. You seem rather silent, almost distant. I call that, and it's a sermon I give, when God plays hide-and-seek. There's a journey of that whole uh, life to experience of playing hide-and-seek with God. Well, no prophet of God is speaking. While that's happening, the world does not remain the same. The world doesn't remain stagnant during these 400 years. And since these pages of the Bible are blank, you might be again wondering, why, why bring them up? Why do they have some importance to you, to us this morning? Well, the reason these 400 years are so important is because at the very end, the world stage is set. It is ready to go for the most amazing event in all of history. It's the event that our, we set our calendars by, if you will. We, we have 400 years at this moment known as before Christ. Then we have these blank pages, and at the very end of those, we have Anno Domini, A.D. In those blank pages is the pivot point of all of time and all of history. And so that's why these are important pages to be aware of. So what I want to do just for a moment is give you a kind of a perspective of what was happening in those blank pages. Who was making it happen? And from that, to ask how it happened. So again, what was happening? Who was involved? And how did it happen? And what, why is this important? In other words, I want to give you, if you will, a 30,000-foot flyover of world history of, over the course of 400 years. And I do mean a 30,000-foot flyover, maybe even higher, because it's going to be quick. So waiting for Christmas for 400 years, this is this idea, this concept of waiting for something like Christmas for 400 years. What was happening on those blank pages? What was going on? Well, the Israelites returned to Israel from Babylonian captivity. You kind of maybe think about, if those of you who are believers and you've been going to church for a long time, and you think about Daniel and, and Babylonia and Nebuchadnezzar, and like, oh, okay. So they had been in captivity, and during this 400 years, they get to come back to Israel. And they get to come back to their homeland after being in captivity. Only, though, <laughs> to be subject to the Medo-Persian Empire. Things have changed. Things have happened. And in fact, just to give a specific, in 333 B.C., Israel fell to the Greeks, who then fell to the Egyptians in 323 B.C. And then you might know about the, some of the famous leaders. For example, Alexander the Great. He's on the scene at that time, conquering the known world where he went. Followed by people like Ptolemy, a uh, mathematician, uh, who rose to promise during that time. So just an example of, well, who's going on at this time? Oh, yeah, Alexander the Great. Well, he's busy during that time. The bottom line, I just want you to understand from what was happening, was the key between, the, 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 the time between Malachi 4.6 and Matthew 1.1 was vastly different by the time they got to Matthew 1.1, during those blank pages and what we get to. So we're waiting for Christmas for 400 years, right? Who was making it happen? Who was involved? Who are the significant people of who was involved making this happen? In other words, if you were to look at a storybook or a picture, who would be on there? What, what pictures of people, what, what nations, what groups of people would you see? Well, there's three main groups, three main groups of people, three nations. Each was active in their own way, and each had something to offer that the other did not. Here's who it was. The three groups, three nations are the Grecians, the Israelites, and the Romans. 
the Greeks, Israel, and Rome. Those are the three main players on the, on the board, if you will, that are making things happen. And uh, they're making things happen over these 400 years. So here we are waiting for Christmas for 400 years. And you might wonder, well, how was Greece, how was Israel, how was Rome engaged during this period? Remember I said earlier they each had a distinct role to play. The Greeks, or Greece, they created a universal language. Greek, right? And that language was the main language across three continents, basically the known world at that point. And so the ease of communication over those 400 years came to be like everybody's talking the same language or at least able to better understand what was being communicated. The second group is Israel. Well, here they are holding on to the hope of the Messiah, the long-awaited prophesied Messiah. A century goes by, another century goes by, another century goes by, another century goes by. Imagine waiting for your long-awaited Messiah that's prophesied to you. That's what they're doing. They're expecting this messianic king to come. And then there's Rome, the Romans. Well, here's what they were busy doing. They were building a network of roads. Unlike the world had ever seen before, during these 400 years, roads were established uh, and, and, and came to be across the world. And they made it possible to travel throughout the known world. So here we are again, waiting for Christmas for 400 years. Why did it take so long? Why is, do we have these blank pages and why is it 400 years? I mean, even if we can fill in the page with some quick flyover historical facts, why is this waiting? Why are we waiting so long? Why was there 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and New Testament? Why was God silent? Well, perhaps an answer for this question can be found in a passage of Scripture known as Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. So I invite you to turn to Galatians chapter 4 and verses 4 and 5. I'm just going to do a quick flyover of these verses right now, and then we're going to come back and talk about them just for a few moments. Galatians chapter 4. So you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians. So again, we're asking, why did it take so long? Why the 400 years? What was going on? Well, look at verse 4 of Galatians chapter 4. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. So here's this picture, what we have here. The, the stage of world history is set. Human history is set, and it had been uniquely prepared for the arrival of God's Son. And it's at that point, and then and only then at this moment, that, if you will, God... Uh, pulls back the curtains uh, on the stage of the world to actually see what he's been up to and what he's been planning and how he's worked through this that would forever divide and signify the difference between B.C. and A.D. I don't, I don't know about you, but as a kid and even sometimes now, have you ever found it difficult to wait as you look at that Christmas present that says, To you? that's sitting under the tree. Anybody ever struggle with that to wait all the time? And they put that. I don't know why my parents, 
at the beginning, like the first week of Christmas, they had most of their Christmas presents out, except the ones that came at Christmas Eve, sitting there. And you were invited to go in and, and gaze upon all the presents that were yours, but you could not ever pick them up and shake them and listen and see, because I would have never done that, ever. But do you remember doing that and waiting and so desiring to unwrap and see what was in there? Well, what we have here at the end of 400 years of silence is Galatians is telling us at just the right time, God, if you will, unwraps the gift of his son. And we've been waiting for this. The Israelites have been waiting for this. Or maybe you've noticed with some gifts, um, like you, like we bought a, a little gift this week for, for my, um, what is it, my nephew, I guess? My nephew's nephew, our son, yeah, whatever it is, I'm trying to figure it out. That's why you have a wife, right? So we're at the local surf shop because that's where you get stuff from Uncle Bill. Anyway, so we go in there, we find this, and, and there's like a little uh, piece of clothing that we got for him that's perfectly for him. But then you start noticing the other gifts are right, age three and above, and maybe you get into double digits, or you got to be 16, or you, you'll get that when you're growing up one day, maybe, that, that type of thing. Well, in the same way, this gift that God bringing forth his son, it's a time to let the world mature. To, to, to grow up, to age, if you will, to the right time that God has to send forth his son. And so over these 400 years, God is patiently but perfectly arranging all the events across the world, the props, if you will, on the stage of world history, until at last the 400 years of silence is shattered by an angel coming to the shepherds, by an angel coming to Mary, by it was 30 years later after Jesus is born, what John the Baptist said in John 1.29, the next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The mission that Jesus had come to accomplish for all of us. So imagine waiting for 400 years and then it's finally over. It's like it's Christmas morning. Finally, it's here. I've been waiting. I've been preparing for this. The exciting adventure of the story of Christmas, of God becoming a man, was finally here. And so the connecting in a little bit of the background I just shared with you, think of it this way. The Greeks, they'd formed a universal language. Over those 400 years, now a language could be used to communicate this amazing story of the Christmas story as we know it, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be able to bring that out. All of us have likely heard the gospel. And, and the fact of it is you've heard it because it goes back to those 400 years of silence, of that being prepared so that the language would be able to be conveyed in the way that we have it. The Romans, they built a network of, of, of highways, and the result is is that missionaries are able to take this message, this Christmas message, and take and travel on those roads and bring it out to people where they'd never been able to travel before. For those of you who know about the book of Acts, if you read the three missionary journeys that Paul went on, again, those are roads made there. All of us, unless there's a heliport somewhere around here, probably took a road to get here this morning. And while the Romans didn't build Molten Parkway, the idea of be, how valuable roads and highways could be comes from these 400 years of silence and what they did to make that happen. So here we are. It's Christmas 2017. We're all decorated. We're looking forward to what's happening. 
And thanks to radio and television and the internet and now our smartphones and the power that they have, this message of hope can be communicated everywhere to everyone around the world. And I think as you look at it, there's a lot of interest in spirituality. There's interest in things that are of, of a spiritual nature. There's interest in prophecy. There's interest in the last days. And are we in them? And I want to submit to you that Christmas offers the seeker a lot of good news for us. And so this good news, the truth that be told, is not silent. It is not silent. In fact, it is clear and it gives meaning and hope to the world around us. And so God has sent forth his son. Look back there again at Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. It says here again that, but when the fullness of time came. That word time is the word chronos in the Greek. We get our word chronology or chronological. So if you think of it all these years in time, and then you come at this point in time, chronologically, here it is that God's sending forth his son. And it says that when time had fully come, at that right moment, right? The end of the 400 years of silence. Here's God speaking. Here's God bringing forth his son. He's bringing forth his son. How is he bringing him forth? Well, it says here in this verse that she is born, that he is born of a woman. I think you know this story. It, it has this sound to it. See if you've heard this story before. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to, to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, and he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. We've heard that story, right? But think about waiting 400 years for that story to come to pass. And what we read here in Galatians 4, 4, is that but when the fullness of time had come, after those 400 years of silence, God sends forth his son, born of a woman. The virgin birth. The story that we know of and that we look forward to. Galatians 4, 4 also tells us that Jesus was born under something. It says that he was born under the law. Well, that's a reference to the Mosaic law. There were 613 laws to follow. That's all you had to worry about. I don't know about you, but I was given rules as a kid, and I can't imagine having 613 given to me and being told, you need to fulfill each of them perfectly and never mess up. No pressure, right? 
So move ahead 400 years, and by this time, the religious leaders of the day had added thousands of secondary laws and rules that one had to fulfill. Imagine that happening. Not only do you have the 613, the big boys, you have these secondary laws you've got to follow as well. And imagine trying to live your life out in such a perfect way to follow them perfectly every day of every moment and every relationship and every situation that you come across. Yeah, I don't want to think about that. I can't even imagine that, right? Because no one could do that. No one could do that at all. And so then Paul writes in verse 5 that Christ came to do what? To redeem those who were under the law. Who had no chance to ever live perfectly before a holy God and get it right every time. To submit the righteousness that the holy God needed to have. And so here we hear Christ coming to redeem those that are under the law. To purchase our freedom from spiritual slavery that the Mosaic law imposed. And so that through faith in Christ, it says here at the very end in verse 5, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of, as sons. Some of your translations might have the inheritance as sons or to be heirs. There's a whole lot more in this passage, in this whole book of Galatians, of what Paul is writing to this group of people, these believers, who have been told about, hey, your salvation comes through faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone. And yet they've added on this work known as circumcision that they believe that they had to do. The Gentile believers needed to do that. And Paul is writing, saying, that's not it at all. In fact, the reality is, if you were to go up a couple verses to verse 1 and 2, you'll begin to see him saying, no, you're like a son in a family, but yet you've yet to receive your inheritance because your dad's still alive. And what he's saying here is that you don't have to wait for that. When you become a Christian, when you receive Christ, because of what Christ did and came to do, you've got the rights of heirs right from the get-go as soon as you receive Christ. You've got it all there. The inheritance is yours right from the start. It's there for us. In other words, as John puts it in John 3, 16, you may have heard of this verse before. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That, that's what he's talking about here. Life not just as an adopted child, but life as sons with an inheritance from the Father for you and for me. Meaning that not only will believers live forever, but they will do so, as the scriptures tells us, ruling and reigning with Christ. It's an amazing inheritance we have for us. This, this right here, this is what happened at the end of these 400 years of silence. But it took that time for God to get everything ready, as I described here a moment ago, to get us ready for this. So then, as I come to this, my thought came to me and go, okay, how do I respond to this? The Bible says that God sent forth his son. He sent forth his son. How do I respond? Well, let me give you three responses. Two that are definitely applicable to you, one that is not. Here it is. You'll figure out who you are. How should I respond this Christmas? So I want to speak first to the non-Christian, the non-believer, I want to suggest to you, I want to challenge you, invite you to respond this way. Receive Christ this Christmas. 
receive Christ as Christmas. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. I want to share something with you that you may have not realized yet today. You don't get to live another 400 years. Okay, you knew that. The possibility is there too. And I don't want to be Scrooge up here and be all bog humbug on us, but you may not get to live another 400 days. And you're here today. And so my challenge to you, my suggestion to you, how do I respond to God sending forth his son? It's to receive Christ. The question you have to decide is, will you remain silent? Will you remain silent or will you receive Christ this Christmas? Look, the Bible makes it clear in John 1.12. It says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. That's what's opportunity for you if you respond and receive Christ this Christmas. Romans 10, 9 and 10 puts it this way. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, from the dead you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Pretty clear, pretty straightforward. The question remains, though, will you respond you know, many retailers this last week of Christmas as we head into it, maybe you've seen this before, but they'll say, don't forget yourself. Have you ever seen that before? Don't forget yourself this Christmas. And you're like, I don't have a problem forgetting me. Right? And so I don't think the message, the marketing message is necessary. But I think if you're here and you're not a Christian or unsure of your standing before God, that you might want to heed that slogan. To not forget yourself, to not forget to respond, to not forget to receive Christ, to don't think that you've got more time to remain silent. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. So that's my suggestion to you. How should you respond? That God sent forth his son. If you're not a believer, receive Christ as Christmas. For those of us that are Christians, those of us that are believers, how should we respond? I want to say rejoice in Christ this Christmas. Rejoice in Christ. There's a lot we can rejoice in around us, decorations and a tree and lights and all that. But I want to invite you, I want to challenge you, I want to suggest that you rejoice in Christ, to pursue him like we're doing with these uh, Advent, with the devotions that we're doing week in and week out. To rejoice in Christ, to focus on him. Because the truth is, like it is for the non-believer as it is for you, you don't have 400 years left to rejoice you may not even have 400 days left to rejoice. You don't know. And there's this temptation for me to think, oh, I can be silent and remain silent and not say anything to God. And my question to you would be, will you be silent or will you rejoice in Christ this Christmas? The Bible says in Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice, rejoice in Christ this Christmas. You know, in a week from tomorrow, right, uh, I don't know about you, but one of the things I look forward to now with little kids is, is the sound of Christmas morning. You know that sound, right? And when you're growing up, it's, maybe you pull out the pocket knife and you slip the little tape, you know, out there and it's all careful, or that's the household I grew up in with the person who did that I know we're like just rip it off you can imagine what it's going to be like if you've got kids or around kids or think back to your childhood of how 
boisterous it was on Christmas morning, or was that just in my household? Right? That sound of rejoicing of this gift. And as I think about that, I share that with you with this thought, is that I hope that their energy is contagious. I mean, when we read in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, our verse of the month, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Why? For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, finally, after 400 years of silence, in the city of David, there has been born to you a Savior who is what? It's Christ, the Lord. God has come forth, and he is here. We read what's true. We read what happened 400 years after 400 years of silence. And this is an opportunity when we really stop and think about that. We should cause us to rejoice, even if we find little else to rejoice in this Christmas. To the non-believer, to the believer, whoever you are, let me challenge you with this. Relinquish silence this Christmas. Relinquish silence this Christmas. The Bible says that God sent forth his son. The way to respond to that, whoever you are, Christian, non-Christian, to relinquish silence this Christmas. Friends, the time of silence ended 2,000 years ago. The Bible tells me in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 and verse 7, there's a time for everything, a season for act, every activity under heaven. A time to be silent and a time to speak. It's a time to speak. A few years ago, uh, when my daughter was four years old, she had grabbed her mom's cell phone and figured out how to use it to call me at work. And unfortunately, I missed the call. But she's learned the ability to communicate is not left to be silent. And so, of course, my outgoing voicemail message goes on, and she goes and proceeds to leave a voicemail to me. And this is the voicemail she left for me that I've kept all these years. And it goes like this. I love that. And I share that with you because God may have been silent for 400 years, but then he spoke. And he gave us the message of Christmas. And so to the non-believer who's here today, like a daughter to her father at work, God says to you, when are you coming home? And he's saying as she was, man, I hope it's soon. I hope it's soon. I hope it's today to call on the name of the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. It's the greatest gift you could give to yourself. And to those of you who are believers, those of us that are Christians, like a father who loves to listen to that voicemail over and over and over and over again, God says to you, rejoice. Sing out. Say thank you through your words and through your actions to God. Don't remain silent. He's come. God sent forth his son to rejoice for us this Christmas. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the hope that we have in you, God. And Lord, as we wrap up here this morning, I just want to take a moment and just give the opportunity for those that are here that may not know you, God. There might be the one person that's here that 
said, sure, I'll go to church this Christmas. Sure, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And, if, and are here today. And you're here and you've never received Christ as your Savior. Here's what I just want to say to you. Here's how you can respond and not remain silent. In your heart, you just simply pray in your heart something like this. Lord Jesus, Son of God, Savior, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, forgive me. I give you my life. If you pray a simple prayer like that, I would love to interact with you. One of our pastors would love to interact with you and just share with you. If you're here and you're a, a Christian, again, I just want to encourage you to not be silent. But to respond, to rejoice in Christ this Christmas. God, I thank you for the hope that we have in you. God, that you've brought this season to us that we can celebrate in it. Oh, God, may we not remain silent. May we respond. For you have sent forth your Son, and we thank you for it in your name. Amen.